What's good everyone and welcome to a brand new edition of the Windy City Hoops podcast This is the official Windy City Hoops podcast all-star weekend report I'm your host Chris Rouse coming to you from the 10616 Production Studios in my hometown of Chicago, Illinois With this official all-star weekend report for today, Monday, February the 17th, 2020, the birthday, the 57th birthday of who I consider to be the GOAT, the uh, the greatest of all time NBA player, Michael Jordan. Not getting into that debate, so when I post this, do not post comments. I don't care. Michael Jordan is my GOAT. If you got anybody else, good for you. But anyway, the All-Star Weekend, All-Star Weekend, man, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still reeling, still reeling from All-Star Weekend, man, here in Chicago, just an amazing experience. The first All-Star Weekend in Chicago since 1988. 32 years since the last time Chicago hosted All-Star Weekend. I wasn't even alive yet. All-Star Weekend was being held in the afternoon back then. The United Center wasn't even wasn't even built yet. Wintrust Arena definitely wasn't built yet where they had the media day. It was just a great weekend. It was a great experience. And if you're in this, if you're in this field, if you're in the um, sports broadcasting field, I would recommend that you definitely go to All Star Weekend. Like it was a great, it was a great experience. I didn't even really get to do everything that I wanted to do this weekend. I, I was so worn out. I was worn out probably at the end of Friday, honestly. <laughs> but I kept pushing because I knew I knew what I wanted to do, and it was just it was just a great experience, man. Like the city. The city really showed up. Their city really put on a great performance for All Star Weekend, with the exception of it being 15 degrees with like a ne- with like a I want to say negative three wind chill on Friday or <laughs> whatever it was on Friday. And then when it warmed up on uh it warmed up and I say warmed up and I mean that loosely. It warmed up to 32 on Friday, and it actually felt real good outside yesterday. Uh, it really it really was quite the Chicago All Star Weekend. It was really a really enjoyable. Uh, experience a really enjoyable weekend. If you, I'm sure you, I'm sure you guys have probably seen some of the, some of the things I posted on on social media on my Facebook page or on my Twitter and Instagram at King Rouse 21. And uh, yeah, so check those things out if you haven't seen them. Also, check out the official Windy City Hoops podcast Facebook page. You know, this is actually one time where a Chicagoan tells you to check it out that you should check it out. The official Windy City Hoops podcast Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash at Windy City Hoops Podcast. We've officially reached, actually we've eclipsed the 100 likes and follows mark. Uh, and I haven't even had that Facebook page up that long. I think it's only been up about a week. So I want to thank everyone for all the support, for following our coverage of All-Star Weekend 2020 here in Chicago. And once again, you can catch me individually on social media at King Rouse 21 on Twitter and Instagram at K-I-N-G-R-O-U-S-E 21. And it's just been a, man, it, I'm, it, a bit of a hangover, man. It's, it's, it's like a hangover, sort of. Like, I honestly wasn't really up to recording, but I was. I, I, t- I told y'all I was going to do it, and I'm a man of my word, so I got up, and I started recording. I, when, I, when I scheduled this, when I put this schedule together, I was like, maybe I shouldn't do this Monday. But I was like, nah, I'd rather get it out quickly, so that way Tuesday... I can do whatever I need to do to get ready for the DePaul Villanova game because I will be covering that on Wednesday at the Wintrust Arena. So I will be there for that, and then I'll come home and have a post-game report for that. Full episode 20 will also be up Wednesday 
in the early going. I'll be taking some questions, some listener questions, probably three to five. Right now, I only got two. So, I mean, if you want to get a question answered on the podcast, leave it on the uh, pinned post on the official Facebook page or actually use the link. There's a link to the original post and then take that link and leave it. Leave a question in that in the comment section of the post that says episode 20. I'll be taking we'll be taking questions on the Windy City Hoops podcast. But let's get into this recap of All-Star Weekend. Day one was quite the day and I was working on three hours of sleep because prior to that I was um, covering the University of Chicago. I was at the University of Chicago covering the uh, UAA swimming championships on both Wednesday and Thursday. And then I got home kind of late on Thursday and was getting my stuff ready for the for the for the Friday events at the um, Wintrust Arena. And I got up early to go do that. So I, I was working on three hours of sleep on Friday. But, I, hey, I, I got through it. That's all that mattered. And um, really what happened was the – first what happened was the Rising Stars media day. That was at 9.30, if I remember right, 9.30 on Friday morning. And I got a lot of quotes there for the uh, Windy City Hoops podcast. Remember, you can catch that on the Windy City Hoops podcast Facebook page. I pretty much used – about I used pretty much almost everything that I got from Rising Stars Media Day and put it on the Facebook page so so that you guys could see it. I got a chance to talk to Shea Gilgis Alexander and he told us what he thought about um he told us what he thought about him playing his way into the most improved role. I got a chance to talk to Devontae Graham and uh some so many other players. I, I, I sort of eavesdropped on the RJ Barrett uh media pod where he was talking about his admiration for Michael Jordan. But all of that stuff is up on the uh, Facebook page, the official Windy City Hoops podcast Facebook page. So you can check that out. But uh, Friday's Rising Stars Media Day, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about this. I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was great because it was real intimate. It was an intimate setting. It was really just media. It was it was just media and it was just the players. So it was well it was well organized. So we were able to talk to, you know, we could talk to the players. I, I was able to use my phone and all of that and get some good quotes. This, this would end up being a problem on the next day, but I'll, get, I'll talk about that when we talk about uh, All-Star Media Day. But I was able to use my phone, and I was able to just really just record and get whatever I needed and post it for you guys. Very well organized. And, and, and you know, I was thinking about this with, like, when I was thinking about this, and one of the guys that stood out to me on day one was Rui Hachimura. Because I know in America, you know, a lot, I mean, a lot in America, a lot of people don't really, you know, they don't really think of Rui Hachimura as like a star yet. I mean, yes, he is a rookie, but they don't think of him as a star. But to see a lot of the love that the international players got from the international media was like, man, these guys are huge. Like guys who we may think of as, okay, well, he, he you know, like I, I hate to say this, but like second tier stars in this, the guys that like, Major North American, major North American media may look at his second-tier stars like Rui Hachimura, Rudy Gobert, like those guys are huge in their, like in their uh, native countries. I know Rudy Gobert had a lot of the French reporters around him for All-Star Media Day. There was a lot of media, there was a lot of the uh, Asian media sites that were there for uh, Rui Hachimura. I want to say, yeah, it was a lot. I know there was quite a few from Japan that were there. I know I saw some from Korea. Also, they're covering uh, Rui Hachimura. Like, man, they, like those guys are huge in their native land. But you, you would expect that. I mean, it's it's no different from when the way 
people here in Chicago talk about Derrick Rose. We, I mean, I know as a fan, I love Derrick Rose. I know a lot of people that love Derrick Rose. They want him. They thought he got snubbed because they they just love Derrick Rose because he's from Chicago. That's no different. It's no different from that. But like, it really doesn't hit you like to where you. It really doesn't hit you what's going on until you see like how it really doesn't hit you how big all of this stuff is until you realize, man, I'm seeing people. I'm in there with people that I that I follow on Twitter. On Twitter, people that I that I've seen on ESPN, like J. Ed Donde, me and J. Ed Donde shared the same row at the United Center. We were up in the 300 levels for the All Star Game and the uh, All Star Saturday Night stuff. Me and J. J. Ed Donde in the same in the same row. Uh, David Aldridge, who walked past me when he was in the media room, like that type of stuff. You don't really realize like how how big this is, or you don't really realize like what you're doing until you're there. You see all these people that you look up to. You like wow, this is this is just a big experience, you know, rubbing elbows with some of the biggest names in uh, sports media, and it was really it was really eye opening for me, and it it really started with like the Rising Stars Day. That was and then it, it kind of it like I it opened my eyes that day, but it really hit me like Saturday when we were doing the um, when we were doing the uh, post the, the uh, post event press conferences on Saturday at the United Center, which I'll get to a little bit more later on that. But the Rising Stars media day, I thought it was very well done. I really liked how well organized it was. I liked what the quotes that I got out of some of the players. And, uh, it, it, I, I, man, <laughs> I'm probably going to say I really enjoyed it. It was a great experience a lot. So I'm just leaving it at that. I thought it was a great experience. It was really fun. After that, I, I attempted to try to go to Navy Pier to go see the jump. I got there just a little too late. And really the whole point of me going to see the jump, I wanted to get there because I at least wanted to get in the in the same venue as Scottie Pippen, my favorite player of all time. I, I sort of had a fan moment. That was like the one. <laughs> that was the one fan moment I had like all weekend. Okay, maybe not the only one. That was like the only fan driven, <laughs> only fan driven move I made all weekend, where I tried to get to the jump to see Scottie Pippen so I could try to get a picture with Scottie Pippen. I was unsuccessful. I got there late. They was like, yeah, it's closed. So I had to walk back. I decided to come back home, and then I eventually went to the Rising Stars Challenge at the United Center, where Team USA defeated Team World 151 to 131, the first event at the United Center this weekend. Uh, before I get into my thoughts on the game, I want to say first off, shout out to Nick Mitrovich, the uh, PA announcer for the Chicago Bulls, also sometimes the Windy City Bulls. He got to do the PA work for the Rising Stars Challenge. It was great. To hear him and hear some see other my other, see some of my other colleagues uh, participating in the All Star Weekend events like my part my, my former partner my former partner my colleague Julio Rauseo who does the play by play for Windy City he was doing the uh, basketball without borders program with uh, Donald Foyle they were doing the commentary for that so shout out to him shout out to Mike Vigan and some of the other guys with the uh, Windy City Bulls who who uh, played a part in the entertainment. For the weekend, I will see them from my seat at the United Center. I just want to say shout out to everybody involved, everybody that I know firsthand. Uh, shout out Matt Zahn of CBS, one of my colleagues I work with at Chicago Dogs. Uh, John Zaglul from University of Chicago. Me and him were all. It was like we were, we just kept finding each other the whole weekend. Me and me and John just kept finding each other. So just shout out to everyone that I know and everyone that participated in All-Star Weekend, but I'm just naming the ones that I know specifically because we all were, you know, we, we've all, we're all sort of like, sort of like arm in arm in this stuff, trying to make our own way in the media game. So just shout out to all of those guys as well. 
uh, early on, I was a little disappointed at uh, the United Center at the Rising Stars Challenge because I was I was sitting in the 300 level, and I was sort of blocked by the stage. Like, they had the staging, which was on the – if you watched it at home, it was on the left side of the arena. That's where I was sitting at, and the stage was on that side. And it was like a part of the stage that was blocking the floor that I couldn't see during certain parts. Now, during the game, this wasn't a problem. They would raise it all the way up. But I couldn't actually see the uh, Pau Gasol, Sue Bird uh, pregame intro at the Rising Stars Challenge. I couldn't see them on the court. I was blocked by the stage. Luckily, it was on the video board, so I was able to see it that way. But I was just thinking, like, man, you know, you know, what if I was trying to get a picture of that? You know, what if from the 300 section? That wouldn't have been a good look for me because I would have been blocked by the stage. But, uh, I mean, that was something that would play a part throughout the All-Star weekend. I Once again, I have more on that later. But, I mean, at the time, it was like, oh, man, come on, man. I hope this doesn't block me during the game. And luckily it didn't block me during the game. But still, it was just something that I thought maybe was glossed over. It wasn't thought all the way through as I was sitting in my seat at the time. But on the floor, the Rising Stars Challenge, uh, Team USA, as I mentioned, won 151, 131. Uh, Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets. He was the Rising Stars Challenge MVP, and for good reason. I thought he and um, he and Devontae Graham in that third quarter really turned the game around for Team USA. Uh, early on in the game, I thought Rui Hachimura was he hadn't had a chance for MVP. I mentioned how I th- how I mentioned how he had all of the uh, he had all of the Asian media outlets out there, pretty much covering him during the uh, Rising Stars media day. But he was uh he he was putting on a show in the early going. I thought he had a shot. R.J. Barrett started to come on later on later on in the ball game. But it was really the turning point with uh, Devontae Graham and Miles Bridges taking over in the third quarter that led uh, Team USA to the win uh, in the second half. The world the world was leading going to the second half, 81-71. But once again, that the way Graham was shooting from the outside, Miles Bridges with those dunks with the the play where he got a, I think, I want to say he got a steal, but anyway, he had an end-to-end slam. He had the one play where he threw it off the glass to himself and threw it down. Just a really good performance from Miles Bridges, an all-out assault on the rim. But the but the big moment that we all wanted, we all wanted to see Zion throw one down, man. And unfortunately, at the end of the game, he couldn't quite do it. But it was still fun to see Zion out there on the court. Uh, Luka Doncic had the half-court heave to end the first half. That that brought the crowd to their feet. I remember the one play Zion had the alley-oop coming from Trey Young, and R.J. Barrett fouled him, <laughs> and the crowd booed R.J. Barrett for fouling and taking away Zion's attempt to dunk the ball in the alley-oop, even though Zion did have a dunk from uh, Ja Morant. They had three, actually three alley-oops that I counted with Ja Morant to Zion Williamson. And uh, Zion had a dunk. He looked, It sort of looked similar to, to uh, when Giannis dunked it in the All-Star game last year. I, if, I, if I remember right, I think Steph bounced it to him and Giannis went up sort of like a rocket and threw it down one-handed. Zion had a dunk that looked similar to that. But at the end of the day, the Miles um, Bridges Miles Bridges ended up winning the MVP as the as Team USA beat Team World in the Rising Stars Challenge. Very fun event. I really, really liked what I saw. Uh, ja Morant, I, you know, honestly, I thought Ja Morant, arguably had the loudest ovation of anybody in the building for the Rising Stars Challenge. There was only three other guys that I thought were comparable, one being Wendell Carter, who didn't play, obviously, because of injury. Zion Zion was the other one, and then Trey Young. I thought those those were the four loudest, but I thought Ja Morant probably had the best ovation out of anyone that was announced at the Rising Stars Challenge. 
And, I mean, for good reason, John Moran has been playing very well this season. He's currently my pick to win Rookie of the Year with the for the Memphis Grizzlies as they currently own the eighth spot in the Western Conference, which, by the way, I did have a clip of John Morant talking about the Grizzlies mindset, which you can see on the Winter City Hoops podcast uh, Facebook page. And, uh, yeah, he, he played a big part. I wanted to see him throw one down, him and Jaron Jackson Jr. I thought it was funny how uh, how high Jaron Jackson Jr. jumped when John Morant tried to dunk at the end of the game, but unfortunately wasn't successful for him. But another, but he got the win at the end of the day as Team USA won 151-131. to 131. Saturday, day two, was kicked off again for me with another media day. This was All-Star Media Day, which, once again, I have plenty of quotes available on the Windy City Hoops podcast Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Windy City Hoops podcast. Uh, yeah, another All-Star Media Day. The, Saturday, the All-Star Saturday night participants were there. The All-Stars themselves were there. It was also the All-Star practice as well. At the end of the Rising Stars practice, they had the uh, half-court shot challenge, which they also did at the end of the All-Star practice. But for me, this was probably where my biggest annoyance of the entire weekend kicked in because for All-Star Media Day, it wasn't as intimate as it was for Rising Stars Media Day. It was just media members. They had the fans come in as well. So you had a lot of fans screaming. You had a lot of noise being made. Uh, There were live broadcasts, of course, of both – the Rising Stars, and All-Star practice. But the issue with the All-Star practice to me was simply that because you had the fans in the building, you had so many people chanting, you know, you know, fanning out, you know, trying to see because they saw their favorite player that you had. I had a lot of clips that I really couldn't use. And it also hurt that you had some players that didn't talk right into the mic. Like I said, on the first day, you could make up for that because it was an intimate set. And the second day wasn't really too much to make up for that. I mean, I had the clip with Chris Middleton where you could hear him talking about the uh, Bucks' mindset this season. It was almost unusable, but I was able to do some things with it to pipe the audio, the audio up, but that didn't really help. Uh, Brandon Ingram did talk about himself becoming most imp- being in the most improved player conversation. Uh, I know myself and uh, Ricky O'Donnell were standing at the podium when he was talking about that, but we couldn't hear him. He was, he was talking kind of low, and because of everything going on in the crowd, we couldn't quite – at least I couldn't make it out on my clip – I just remember after after Ricky asked him the question, um, Brandon Ingram, <laughs> Brandon Ingram finished talking. Ricky was like, "I couldn't even hear him." And so that was what was going on there with the uh, <laughs> with the Rising Stars Media Day, and also um, there was supposed to be a signed media seating that did happen on Saturday, or that happened on Friday for the Rising Stars Challenge. On Saturday, it was supposed to be a signed media seating, but because the fans got in, it was sort of unorganized, and the fans were sitting in the media section, so. So if you needed to plug your uh, your device in, like I know I did, I know my phone was at like 46 or something at one point, and I was like, man, I need to charge this up. And I couldn't really get to the plug because you had fans sitting in the media section. And, uh, yeah, it was, just re- it was just real tough. It was already, like it was already tough, like battling for position, you know, amongst, fellow me- amongst the fellow me- media members because, I mean, everybody's trying to get their clip. Everybody's trying to get their sound bite or their video or whatever. Which is which is perfectly fine. I'm all for that, but it's already tough when you're doing that. I mean, you you guys saw the mass amounts of bodies around Luca and Giannis, LeBron, Dwight Howard, even Zach Levine. Some of the pictures I posted, like it's already you're already battling that. Also, some of these guys, like a Kawhi Leonard, is a low is are low talkers, and then some. And it also hurts if you got like a low talker not talking into the mic. So to have the fans in there during the media portion 
was kind of was was another obstacle that you sort of had to battle to try to get your get your sound bite or your clip or whatever you're trying to get. So I was I I was just of the mindset that I'm cool with the fans being there for the practice itself, but I felt like that that portion where it's media day, where it's everyone trying to get their interview, I felt like that should have been closed. Personally, that's just me. I mean, that's just my opinion. I just thought I just thought that portion should have been closed. The media day portion where you got all the reporters in there trying to interview the players, that should have been closed and then let the fans come in for the all-star practice itself and then that way it's cool and then if anybody needed any if so that way the the media members could get everything they needed at one time during the media day and then then after, after once the practice starts, hopefully you got everything you needed because then that's it. It's a it's a free for all at that point. So that that that's just that's just my personal opinion. Just once again just thought that the all-star media day should have been the media portion where you actually had media availability should have just been for media only and then the fans come in for the uh for the all-star portion. But once again that part once again the all-star media part was cool. I mean, I, I know I shook hands with George Gervin, told him thank you for everything you did for the game. He asked me if I was okay. I said I'm good. And then I thanked him for everything he did for the game. I saw Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson, uh Amin El Hassan was there. Of course, all the All-Stars was th- were there as well. So a lot of people that, like I said, that, that I see on TV or that I, that I know very well from being a fan of this game were there. So once again, it was, once again, a great experience. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to say that after everything. I just, just because I said there was some things I didn't like don't mean that I didn't like the whole event. I'm just saying. <laughs> but I did, enjoy the, I did enjoy being there for um, All-Star Media Day. Uh, after All-Star Media Day, I made another trip back south. I forgot what I did. I think I laid down to watch the boondocks or something, but useless information. Anyway, after that, I went back to the United Center, and that was where we had the commissioner, Adam Silver. He had the he had his press conference, his media availability, and during that time, he gave some pretty touching, touching words about uh, David Stern, talking about how David Stern became more of a friend, especially even more after Stern had left as the uh, – commissioner it was one of those things where it's like it's one of those things where where if you you have a boss he's he's sort of ruling what the iron fist now this is not what adam silver said not what he said but i'm just using this as an analogy it was like one of those things where like he's the boss or or you may think he rules with an iron fist while he's your boss but then once he's not your boss anymore he's like one of your best friends because he knows you that's what that's sort of the that's sort of like what adam silver said he was saying that he had a much better, he had a much more friendlier relationship with David Stern. Not that he didn't have one when they were working together, but he had a like, he he started to. I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to think the best way to put this. He started to like, to really, um, I guess, get closer to David after David was no longer the commissioner because he knew David was rooting for him. But he also, but it, but it was also more driven by the fact that, which was something that he also said about Kobe Bryant. Was that because at when they when they're competing against you, it's all about winning. They might they may not be the most friendly person to be around when it's all about winning and trying to get something done. But once that part of their life is over and they're no longer a competitor and no longer battling, they become one of the more one of the people that you get closer to because it's not it's not about pleasantries anymore. It's about getting the job done at that point. But once that's done, it's more about being a good person. And that's what he said about David Stern and both Kobe Bryant, how they were both good people. Once their com- their uh, competition days, their days of competing, were behind them, and then after that, Adam Silver announced that the All Star Game MVP award would be named the Kobe Bryant All Star Game MVP award, 
and we know who ended up we, well most of you guys likely know by now who won that award and I'll talk about that once I talk about the all-star game but also uh one of the other things that Adam Silver really talked about he talked about the NBA's relationship with China and how how the coronavirus issue had kept a lot of member, media members from China from making the trip to Chicago for All-Star Weekend. But Adam Silver also talked about how he remains hopeful to create new traditions in the NBA, and he was really talking about the schedule change. So he's talking about maybe he's hoping at some point it'll be in, it'll be in season, there'll be in-season tournaments. He even also pointed out how you got to notice how he stopped saying mid-season tournaments. He was saying in-season tournaments because he's not sure – where they're going to put the tournaments if they happen. He said that he said that he is holding out hope. He is hopeful that he still thinks that the tournaments will end up being a thing and that also it will lead to a schedule change in the NBA and also the possibility of playing tournaments for the NBA. But he said for right now it's on the back burner because he said he felt like he was sort of rushing based off data of one season that he had saw. I actually forgot what he said in my clip. I got it on my phone right now, but he actually said something like everything about trying to make the tournament, the tournaments was based off of data that he had found based on one season and that he wanted to wait for that to happen. That he said, he he said, you know what, let's, let's get a little bit more information before trying to go forward with the talk. So for right now, no in-season tournament and no, no schedule changes at the moment. Uh, after the Adam Silver press conference, I went up, went back up to the top of the United Center, the 300 section. Right in front of the banners, man. I thought that was cool. I was sitting right in front of the uh, the retirement jer- the jerseys with Bob Love, Jerry Sloan, Jordan, Pippen, and the NBA championship banners for the Bulls to my right. But the All-Star Saturday night festivities began with the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. And before I get into that, I got to say, man, I loved how Chicago everything was. And, like, <laughs> just the Chicago influence was all over this All-Star weekend. Like, even, like, the, mo- even the most minute things. Like, think about... How they were starting the competitions would be three, two, one, go, and it was like you know that the three, two, one, go. It like the use of the uh, song "Go" by Common from his uh, from his 2005 album B. Like it, it was using that that Kanye West the Kanye West part was like on the count of three, two, one, and then it would go go like the hook with John Mayer on the uh, chorus to jump to Common's song "Go." I liked how they used that very that that was very well done to me. I just really liked how they had Chicago's influence all over everything here. Even the all-star introductions, how they were they were playing all of the beats, the um, some beats from College Dropout, the uh, Get em High beat from Kanye West. They were using the Common. They were using Common's beats. Some uh, Common's beats from, uh, what was that, Universal Mind Control. That's an album that I didn't really listen to, so I don't, <laughs> I wasn't really a fan of that one, so I really can't remember if that was, I think the song was Universal Mind Control or something like that. But I remember <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't one of my favorites, so forgive me for that. But it wasn't one of my favorites, so I don't really remember that album that well. But I do I do think that was the name of that song, Universal Mind Control. They used that beat for the three-point shootout. And just, it was just, man, very well very well done, very much influenced by Chicago. But the Saturday night festivities began with my my personally, personally my favorite event. The uh, Taco Bell Skills Challenge has been like my favorite event like the last, what, four years ever since they started adding the uh, front court players. But here's what happened in the first round. You had Bam Adebayo versus Spencer Dinwiddie, the 2018 Skills Challenge champions. Dinwiddie was upset by Bam Adebayo. 
Uh, following that was Patrick Beverly against Pascal Siakam, Beverly of the Clippers, Pascal Siakam of the Raptors. Uh, the fan in me wanted Pat Bev to win that so bad, considering he was from Chicago. And, of course, originally we thought Derrick Rose would be in it, so I was hoping for a Rose-Beverly final, but Rose pulled, Derrick Rose pulled out, so we didn't get a chance to see that. But uh, Beverly competed, and uh, Pascal Siakam upset Pat Beverly. Oh, I, I, guess it's, I guess it's an upset. I mean, Pascal Siakam, I mean, he's sort of like that prototype positionless basketball player, too. A guy that could dribble, shoot, pass, pretty much do everything you need him to do on the floor. Uh, what did Pat Beverly in was he uh, he needed he had to he had to try three chess passes he had to use all three of his chess passes to uh, on that first pass to catch Pascal Siakam so Siakam had a pretty good head start on him and Siakam beat him and ended up advancing to the next round that was set up the matchup between Adebayo and Pascal Siakam uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Chris Middleton Chris Middleton uh, of the Milwaukee Bucks beat Shea Gilgis Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander needed all three of his chess passes as well. He except he missed all three of his to try to catch Chris Milton, and it also hurt uh, Shea that after he made the first chess pass, he really didn't know where his ball rack was. He it was like he lost the ball rack. He forgot where it was at on the floor. He tried to reach for it. He reached to the wrong side, and so it took some time away from him. And then Chris Middleton, of course, buried the three on the other end, and that sent Shea Gilgis Alexander to the sideline for the remainder of the competition as Middleton advanced to the semifinals. And by this point, all the guards were eliminated. There was no Spencer Dinwiddie. There was no Patrick Beverly. There was no Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And the fourth and final first-round matchup was two frontcourt players, both all-stars, DeMontis Sabonis of the Indiana Pacers and the defending champion, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. And Jason Tatum fell to DeMontis Sabonis. The Sabonis beat the defending champion, aided by uh, Jason Tatum missing his first bounce pass. And then so he needed two bounce passes to try to get into the uh, – uh, excuse me, two chest passes to get – to keep his track going when they – you know, the part where they run down, they dribble through the through the cones, and then they uh, make the pass. So he had to take two passes. Sabonis almost gave that ground back up, though. He got a quick dunk. And then Jason Tatum was coming in and ran into the ball, knocked his ball away from him. Sabonis had to recover. Uh, both of them missed their first three-point attempt. They actually traded – traded shots. It was Sabonis, then Tatum, and then Sabonis finally buried the second three-point attempt, and he advanced to the semifinals where he would meet Chris Middleton in what I thought was the sloppiest matchup of the entire competition, but I'll get into that after I talk about Bam Adebayo beating Pascal Siakam in a, in a skills challenge matchup that was neck and neck up until the three-point shot. Both players missed the first three-point attempt that they put up, but Bam Adebayo made his just as Pascal Siakam was making was attempting to get another three-point attempt in the air. So Bam Adebayo advanced to the Skills Challenge Finals where he would meet DeMontis Sabonis as he defeated Chris Middleton in what I thought was the sloppiest matchup of the competition. Really a sloppy finish because Chris Middleton was dribbling down the floor and he sort of lost the ball like on the handle trying to go for that first layup. Then coming back the other way, Middleton missed three missed three-point three attempts. And they also both, like, at one point, they both shot at the same time and canceled each other out. Uh, Sabonis, Sabonis took a shot. Actually, excuse me, Chris Middleton took a shot as Sabonis was shooting. And Middleton put one up, didn't even get close to the rim. He really just threw it up so to, to try to knock Sabonis' ball away from the basket. But Sabonis made it anyway. And Demonte Sabonis ended up advancing, going to the finals. Sabonis... Um, Went on to play 
Bam Adebayo in another Indiana-Miami matchup. And there's been a lot of fireworks between those teams throughout this season. I mean, they had the one game back in December that came down to the wire. And I think, it was, if I remember right, Aaron Holiday missed what could have been a game winner for Indiana. And then, of course, we know the Jimmy Butler, T.J. Warren situation where Jimmy Butler was talking about how T.J. Warren is trash and how they got that, that game in March marked on the calendar. But uh, Bam, Bam Adebayo ended up getting the win. He had pretty much a clean round up until he went to the three-point attempt. Uh, he missed two of the three-point attempts. Sabonis missed three. Uh, the thing for Sabonis, though, unfortunately, he actually ended up making one. He actually made a shot all net. He cashed it. He cashed it in all net. But it didn't matter because uh, Adebayo had already made his, his three-pointer, so that eliminated DeMontis Sabonis. And Bam Adebayo took home the 2020 Taco Bell Skills Challenge trophy. And once again... The Skills Challenge has been my favorite event since, like, 2015 because that was when the contest became more of a head-to-head event. And remember, it used to be about times. It would really just be point guards, and it would be all about the who can do it the fastest. But then it became a head-to-head. And then in 2016, they started adding the um, the front court players. And the front court players have proven that this has been – they, they, they've been worthy of this addition. Because I, I really like the clash and styles that you get with the backcourt players against the frontcourt players. But also on top of that, the frontcourt players have won four of the last five skills challenges. Like, I'm talking about Carl Anthony Towns has won, Porzingis won, Jason Tatum, and now Bam Adebayo. And even when uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, the lone guard that's won since they added the bigs, even when he won, he had to beat Larry Markin of the Chicago Bulls. So so the <laughs> the frontcourt players have made their, made their uh, mark in this Taco Bell Skills Challenge. And Bam Adebayo is the latest front court player to win the Taco Bell Skills Challenge, bringing home the first piece of hardware home for 2020 All-Star Weekend. It'll be the, the first piece of hardware for the Miami Heat. But as you all likely know by now, that wouldn't be the last piece of hardware that the Miami Heat would take home from All-Star Saturday night. But before we get into that, we, we got to talk about the Mountain Dew three-point contest, which... Had a new, a couple of new shots added, which were the they had two thirty foot three pointers added to the to the uh, competition. It was called the uh, Mountain Dew Zone Shot, and I really enjoyed that because uh, I think considering what's happening in the NBA with how how people shoot threes, and then of course we know how Steph Curry has his range and has set the benchmark for that, and how Damian Lillard is sort of also shooting the ball as well as he he has been doing it in the NBA as well from beyond, from all, from 30 foot from 30 feet. I thought it was a great addition it added to the contest. Uh I mean it, it it just fits for the time. So just once again the NBA constantly trying to just constantly evolving with the times. That's one thing that I've always really loved about the NBA how they embrace the future as opposed to going against it. And we'll talk more about the NBA All-Star Games futures later when I talk about the uh new rules for this year's All-Star Game. But the Mountain Dew 3-point contest uh, here, the here the comp- here's the here's the first round. I'm gonna go in order. Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. He put up 15. Uh, he he put up 15. He didn't make it to the next round. Didn't really look like Trey had the legs. I thought when I was watching it in the building, I thought maybe his legs were a little light, were, were a little tired from playing in the Rising Stars game. But also, you got to remember Trey doesn't really use his legs a lot anyway to shoot in regular games. So for Trey Young, uh, really. Just really didn't have a good showing in the uh, three-point shootout. Only 15 points. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if Trey re-enters it in future years and sort of gets a handle for it. Remember, it's much different shooting when you're shooting in the contest because you, you got to reach for the ball as opposed to you just have it and you pull it like you would do in the game. Sort of, You sort of got to think of it like catch and shoot almost, but it's much different because the ball rack is lower than maybe a pass that's going right into your hands and then you got to try to pull it and make sure you get the right release and get in rhythm. Uh, Trey Young only had uh, 15. Devontae Graham with the Charlotte Hornets had 18. I know at a... Uh, 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 All-Star Saturday Media Day, For uh, they asked him who was the best shooter in the contest. He said, you know, I'm going to say me. So <laughs> Devontae Graham, he said he knew that. I mean, he, he wasn't going to say that. They told him, you got to say somebody else. He's like, no, I don't have to. <laughs> no, I really don't have to if I don't want to. So Devontae Graham, he was in the contest. I thought he had a good showing at the time. He put up 18 points. Uh, Devontae had a pretty bad start, though. What really hurt him, uh, through his first 11 shots, he really just... I think he maybe had like one or two baskets made through his first 11 shots. So that would be the first two racks and then the Mountain Dew Zone three-pointer. But uh, what really ha helped him out was he had an almost perfect money ball rack at the top of the key. And he ended up, like I said, ended up with 18 points. And that would not hold up for him either because Duncan Robinson, who came up next, he had 19 for the Miami Heat. Had a had a chance to talk with Duncan Robinson on how the G League influenced him, and also on how the Miami Heat have gelled throughout the season. And uh, Duncan Robinson, he he's another guy that sort of struggled through like the first sixteen shots for him because that's through the top of the key. He only had five when he passed the top of the key rack, so that's the the first three racks, and then of course the Mountain Dew thirty footer. And honestly, I thought he probably could have had thirty had he had a better start because he started lighting it up near the end. Ended up with 19 points, and at that point, he had the highest score, but that was until the guy who I picked to win it, the former 2018 three-point champion Devin Booker came up, and Devin Booker put up 27 points, had a perfect uh, right-angle rack, and then he hit four of five in his money bar rack, which was his last rack, to finish with 27 and set the bar. So he advanced and uh, eliminated Trey Young with that performance. Devin Booker was followed by Buddy Heald, who also put up 27. And that, at that point, had eliminated Devontae Graham. So, at this point, for the sixth shooter, it was De Davis Bertans of the Washington Wizards. Buddy Heald, of course, of the Sacramento Kings. Davis Bertans of the Washington Wizards, had he came up and he eliminated Duncan Robinson. So, the first three guys, just like that, just like that, were eliminated. And Davis Bertans really... I know firsthand how he can shoot. I saw him play against the Bulls a couple of times this year, lighting it up for the Washington Wizards. I remember the game he had against the Bulls back when they played in that overtime game in December, and Bertans was shooting the lights out against the Bulls. Uh, what really helped him, he had a perfect right-angle money bar rack, which was also in the same spot that uh, Devin Booker had a perfect rack in the first round. And then, so Bertans put up 26, and that led to the great ovation for Zach Levine, the only Bulls representation at All-Star Weekend. I mean, Wendell Carter was in the Rising Stars Challenge, but, of course, he didn't play due to the uh, ankle injury. But uh, Zach Levine, he came up, had a perfect start, but unfortunately for Zach, pretty much just couldn't get anything to go from the top of the key. Really struggled after that perfect rack. Just a, just a what I got in my notes, just a busted top of the key rack. Really couldn't knock anything down. Had a good showing. Had ended with 23, but that was not enough to get him through to the next round. So, Zach, good effort from Zach Levine but not enough to get him to the finals. And also, after Zach Levine, we knew we would have a new champion because the defending three-point champion Joe Harris came up. He was last, 
and he finished with only 22. Joe really just really just didn't seem like he was in a rhythm. He took he uh, finished the first angle rack, and then after the angle rack, of course, it's the 30 footer. He forgot about the Mountain Dew uh, 30 foot three pointer, and so that sort of threw him off rhythm. He went back to grab that, and after that, he was just struggling. He was he was just struggling to try to um, get into a rhythm. He did get into one a little bit later in the round, but it sort of it was like it sort of ran, it was sort of wore off, like how in NBA 2K you had a takeover mode, and and sometimes it, it, the meter runs fast on you if something happens, and like that's sort of what happened. I think Joe Harris missed like a shot, and then he went to the last rack, needing every money ball because that was his last rack. His last rack was the money ball rack, and he missed his first three, his first three, and that got him eliminated. He did. He did finish with 22, but he was eliminated after that. And that set up a finals trio of Davis Bertans of the Washington Wizards, Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns, and Buddy Heald of the Sacramento Kings. And we were in for an epic finish at the United Center, but we didn't know it at the time. Uh, Davis Bertans went first, and he finished with 22, only made one of his top-of-the-key threes in the finals. He did go 4-5 or five on that right angle, so him and Devin Booker were feasting on those right angles. I remember saying to myself, at the United Center, like Devin Booker at the angles is going to be is going to be huge because that's his favorite spot on the floor, in terms of the contest. Booker ended up with 26, and at that point, I thought, I thought he was about to uh, win the, win the Mountain Dew uh, three point shootout, and I and I picked him because I just had a feeling like he had something to prove after get, feeling like maybe he got snubbed, and then also having to come to the All Star game as really as just Damian Lillard's replacement for both the game itself and the three point contest, but. We had an epic finish at the United Center as Buddy Hill to the Sacramento Kings came up. He got it got down to his last rack. Buddy Hill managed to beat Devin Booker on the last shot. Went four or five on his last rack, which was the money ball rack. He made eight money balls and, and hit seven of his last eight three-point attempts. Devin, Buddy Hill of the Sacramento Kings won the Mountain Dew, the 2020 Mountain Dew three-point contest. So Bam Adebayo took home the skills challenge, and Buddy Hield ruined the possibility of a Miami Heat sweep of All-Star Saturday night by winning the three-point contest. Of uh, Devin, uh, Duncan, Duncan Robinson was the Miami representative, didn't make it to the finals. But 19, not, not a bad showing for him. But Buddy Hield with 27 in the finals and 27 in the first round wins the 2020 Mountain Dew three-point shootout. And then lastly was the AT&T Slam Dunk, which has been the talk of the week, which up until yesterday had been the talk of the weekend from All-Star Saturday night. The AT&T Slam Dunk Contest featured uh, Pat Connaughton of the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Dwight Howard of the Los Angeles Lakers, Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic, and Derek Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat. The judges were Dwayne Wade, Common, Candace Parker, Chadwick Bozeman, and Scottie Pippen. And here is the pretty much the dunk-by-dunk dunk review of what happened. Uh, in the first round, we had Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard got a 41. He did the spinning Statue of Liberty dunk. He did miss his first attempt, but he threw it down. And honestly, when I saw that, I was like, that's nice. But, I mean, 41 is about right. I mean, for Dwight, that's not really impressive because Dwight's 6'10", which is, which is one of the problems that happens when you, when you have, like, guys that are big. It's hard for, them to, hard for the big men to win a dunk contest because – it really takes some sort of athleticism to really make anything that they do look impressive because, I mean, you're already tall and it's already hard and, and like, it's likely hard for you to maneuver the joints the way you need to in order <laughs> to, like, really do some of those crazy dunks that we saw from – we will see later out of Pat Connaughton and Derrick Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon. 
But Dwight got a 41. I thought that I thought that was appropriate for Dwight on that dunk. He was followed by Derrick Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat. Derrick Jones Jr. got a 46 on his first dunk. He had the uh, birthday cake dunk. And he had, I, I think that was the Lovables that came out there. I really couldn't quite see it from from my section if they had Lovable material on. So for so just for the, for right now, I'm going to say it was the Lovables he had out there on the floor. And they sort of made like a runway. And he did a runway dunk over 6'9", bam, out of bio. He missed the first attempt. He did end up putting the second one down. Now, I got I to gotta say this. He did push off to jump over Bam Adebayo, so that sort of, like, took away from it. But at the same time, that was canceled out by the fact that Bam was standing a good five feet away from the rim, and Derrick Jones, even with the push-off, still got over him and threw that down. That's still an impressive dunk. Now, I know the push-off sort of, you know, it doesn't really show off his his hops the way it should, but the fact that he was able to stay in the air that long to throw that down was still an impressive dunk. He got a 46 for that one. Uh, the next dunk was Pat Connaughton of the Milwaukee Bucks. He got a 45 for a dunk that I personally, for the showmanship, I would have if it was if it was based off showmanship, I thought he should have got a 50. I mean, Blake Griffin got a 50 that one year when he jumped over the front of the car. It wasn't really that great of a dunk. He jumped over the hood. It was just a it was just a regular two hand dunk. Now I know I can't I can't jump over a car, but but if you grade it if it's graded based off dunk only, the dunk wasn't all you know it wasn't. Wasn't the best dunk ever, and then he jumped over the hood of the car. I remember when people complained about that for so long that he jumped over the hood. But, I mean, hey, the man still jumped over a car. I thought Pat Connaughton, in terms of presentation, if they were going to grade – if you were grading it like they graded Blake's dunk that year in Los Angeles, I thought he got a 50 for presentation with the uh, Billy Hoyle from White Men Can't Jump outfit. And then he came in and did a two-handed dunk over six foot three Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers. I really admired – Pat Connaughton's showmanship throughout the tournament because coming in, I was like, well, Pat Connaughton, why is he in the dunk contest? And But I thought Pat Connaughton had some of the best presentation of the night. And honestly, I'm, I'm just going to give you guys a spoiler now. I personally thought he should have been in the finals. I really thought Pat Connaughton had a shot at being in the finals, and I'll get into that a little bit more later when I go through everybody's second round of dunks. But he got a 45 for this dunk. I really admired the uh, – Billy Hoyle, white man can't jump outfit. I really thought that added to the presentation. Even when he dunked, uh, dunked over Yelich, he did the two-hand pull-up on the rim like Billy Hoyle did at the end of White Man Can't Jump. Really admired his uh, showmanship at, in, uh, in the dunk contest. And then lastly was Aaron Gordon, who has had me going viral this past weekend with what he said in the post-game press conference. But uh, Aaron Gordon, his first dunk was a deserved 50. He had a through-the-legs reverse dunk. Uh, he he lost the handle on the first attempt, but once he put it down, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a 50. <laughs> Aaron Gordon deservedly got a 50 for the dunk that he did on the first try. So at that point, the score was 50 for Gordon, 46 for Derrick Jones Jr., 45 for Pat Connaughton, and 41 for Dwight. Uh, Dwight's second dunk would be the Superman dunk, which, once again, was sort was more about the presentation. He did the Superman dunk, except for his, with his Superman, he had the 24, the Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant's jersey number on his S, and he also used the Mamba mentality ball. Now, Dwight only got a 49, and personally, I thought this dunk changed the rest of the contest because after Dwight only got a 49, he got the crowd got booed. Really, it was Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman 
was the judge that gave him a nine. So Dwight only got a 49. And I thought after after the crowd booed Bozeman for that, it felt like every every dunk after was getting a 50, whether it was deserving or not. Like it, it was, it just felt like every dunk after was getting a 50 from that point. Uh, Dwight got a 90, and personally, I, I don't I didn't think he was worth it was worthy of a 50 either because we've seen Dwight do this dunk already. We saw him do that what 10 years ago, 10 11 years ago was that 08 09. I'm getting older. I think it was 08. It was 08 when he did the Superman dunk in New Orleans, and he'd already done it way better back then. This year he was well, like it was a ba- pretty much a basic dunk for Dwight catching the ball over the backboard and then throwing it down. But back then he did it. He jumped from like the free throw line and just really didn't even dunk it, just threw it in, which was impressive back then. But to see him do it now a little bit older, you didn't expect him to, to really do that same dunk. But, I mean, if you're going to do that presentation – you gotta you gotta match or exceed. He didn't match or he didn't he didn't even match, let alone exceed what he did back then. So I thought forty nine was a little high for Dwight Howard. And Dwight would end up finishing with ninety. He would be eliminated after that dunk. And I'm I know for the second round I'm a little out of order. I believe it was Pat Connaughton next because it went from lowest score to highest after that. And then Pat Connaughton's second dunk, he received a fifty. And I thought he deserved a 50. Now, at first when I saw it in the arena, I was like, oh, that's terrible. Like, he did jump over Giannis, but he did it. But in real time, it looked like he did just a basic two-hand slam over Giannis. Him jumping over Giannis in itself was very impressive. But when they showed it back in the arena, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a 50. He jumped over Giannis, caught the ball off Giannis's head, Tapped it off the glass and then threw the dunk down. I thought that was impressive hang time from Pat Connaughton. And I, like I said, I thought he, I, I think he should have went to the finals. I thought Pat Connaughton had a huge dunk. He got a 50 for jumping over Giannis. I thought it, it was it was funny to me how after that dunk, he, he really went over to the judges uh, the judges table, stared there and stood stood there and stared at him, and, and made sure he got a 50. And he and he did get a 50, and really. All I can say is thank goodness he didn't hurt Giannis because I think that was <laughs> – I think Kenny Smith did say this on TNT. I watched some of the highlights back. Like, if he if he hurts Giannis, he's getting cut from the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow. And I was and I was thinking that same thing when I was sitting there watching. Like, man, if he hurts Giannis and ruins Milwaukee season, he is going to be done on that team. But luckily no one got hurt, and Pat Connaughton got a 50 out of it. Connaughton ended up finishing with 95. Now, I thought Connaughton should have gone to the finals. But coming up after him – was Derrick Jones Jr., who got a 50. He needed 45 to advance. Derrick Jones did a reverse 360 through the leg slam from the side. It looked similar. It kind of reminded me of what uh, J.R. Ryder did back in 1994. For those of you not that don't understand, just YouTube it. Uh, J.R. Ryder of the Minnesota Timberwolves sort of did something similar to that. Only thing was he, when J.R. Ryder did it, he did it facing the rim. Derrick Jones did it with a reverse through the legs from the side. Reverse 360 through the, uh, through the legs from the side. He ended up getting what I thought was deserved, a 50 for Derrick Jones Jr. And then came Aaron Gordon. Derrick Jones did finish with 96, so he was in the finals at this point because he had the top – he had one of the top two scores, so he was in and Dwight was eliminated. So it came down to Aaron Gordon and Pat Connaughton at this point. And then Aaron Gordon got a 50. Now here's where, here's where I thought the judging was a little off. Uh, Aaron Gordon in this dunk, he got a 50. He jumped over Chance the Rapper, who is about, what, 5'8", 5'9". 
And to me, it wasn't as impressive. It wasn't as impressive considering we had already seen Pat Connaughton jump over a 6'11 Giannis Antetokounmpo. So it wasn't really wasn't really that impressive to me to see Aaron Gordon jump over Chance the Rapper. Now, in the post-game, in the post-event press conference, Derrick Jones Jr. did defend Aaron Gordon, saying that, hey, it's, it was difficult to jump over any person, which is absolutely true. But if I'm judging this and I just saw a guy that's six foot five jump over someone 6'11", <laughs> and I saw a six foot eight Aaron Gordon jump over a five eight Chance the Rapper. It's not as impressive to me. So I thought here I thought Pat Connaughton should have advanced to the finals. I thought we should have had a Connaughton Derrick Jones Jr. finals based on the based off the fact that both of them pretty much did the same dunk. And I thought Connaughton gave us more flair considering he jumped over Giannis at six eleven and then tapped it off the glass. Meanwhile, Aaron Gordon sort of just jumped over Chance and threw it down. So I thought maybe it should have been a Connaughton Derrick Jones Jr. But the finals we got was Derrick Jones Jr., Aaron Gordon. Now, having said that, that I thought Pat Connaughton got, should have gotten to the finals, I still think I think Derrick Jones Jr. still would have won. I just really – I would have been interested to see what else Pat Connaughton could have pulled out. But I still think Derrick Jones Jr., he was my pick to win it coming into the contest. So I expected him to uh, – I expected him to probably, probably run away with it on Pat Connaughton depending on what Connaughton would have pulled out in the uh, – you know, as of right now, me without me knowing what Connaughton would have probably done, I think Derrick Jones Jr. probably would have taken it in the finals. But in the finals, we got Derrick Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat against Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. The battle for Florida sort of here. As Derrick Jones, with his first dunk, got a 50 that threw the legs over two people, which I thought was impressive. Again, showing off his jumping ability. And then that was followed by Aaron Gordon, who had a 50 with a reverse dunk over Chance the Rapper while a TikTok was being made. And now this is where I go back to the presentation. Because honestly, again, he had already dunked over Chance. He had already jumped over Chance the Rapper. We'd already seen it. He did it again. I think this time he had it. He added like an extra twist to it. But he had already done it. And once again, this is one where I thought the Blake Griffin effect sort of kicked in, except for it was an inconsistent Blake Griffin effect. It was the presentation. I thought Pat Connaughton's White Men Can't Jump presentation was much better because the tick, I mean, dunking while a TikTok is being made, like, it's not really, <laughs> it's not really difficult. It's not really adding to the difficulty of the dunk. That's just adding with other people on the floor. That, you know, that's just dunking with people, other people on the floor. So I, I thought Aaron Gordon got a 50, was undeserving. I didn't think he deserved that 50 for dunking while the TikTok was being made. And then on terms of him, his actual dunk, he had already, he had already jumped over Chance the Rapper. Except he did it with a reverse. So, and and once again, jumping over a smaller person while we had after we'd already seen Pat Connaughton jump over a guy that was six eleven. So, it was, it was kind of hard for me to say that Aaron Gordon deserved a fifty for that one. In the second dunk, uh, Derrick Jones Jr. got a fifty. The catch off the backboard through the legs over a person. At this point, I thought Derrick Jones Jr. should have won. I didn't even think there should have been a dunk off. I didn't think Aaron Gordon should have got a 50 for the dunk he did while the TikTok was being made. I mean, I didn't think he should have been in the finals personally because of him jumping over Chance after Pat Connaughton jumped over Giannis at that point. But then the TikTok dunk really didn't. I didn't think that that warranted a 50 either because it was, I mean, it was pretty much the same dunk just with more people on the floor. And then Derrick Jones Jr., once again, showing off his showing off his hops and his athleticism, his ability to jump from far, and then even during the uh, second dunk, where uh, Derrick Jones Jr. had to catch off the backboard through the legs over a person, you can see Aaron Gordon even saying, 
being seen saying, yeah, that was nice. You could see him mouthing. That was nice on the sideline. And right there, I thought, I thought at that point, I thought Derrick Jones should, Jr. should have won. I thought he should have had probably a 100 to 95 victory already in the bag. But Aaron Gordon did. Now, this I did think was the dunk of the night, though. The 50 for Aaron Gordon where he had to catch off the side of the backboard with the 361 hand slam perfect dunk. That was a perfect one-hand catch. Like the, He had a perfect cup of the ball, almost looked like a wide receiver, the way he cuffed the ball, catching it off the glass, cuffed it perfectly, and threw it down one-handed. Personally, I thought that was the dunk of the night. Like I, and I know I've been saying I don't think he should have been to the finals. I don't think there even should have been a dunk off. But there's no doubt in my mind that Aaron Gordon had the dunk of the night. I think Pat Connaughton had the best presentation with the white man can't jump outfit, but I think Aaron Gordon, in terms of actual dunk, had the best dunk of the night with the uh, 360 one-hand slam that he caught off the backboard. I thought that was the dunk of the night. And that led to the dunk-off where Derrick Jones Jr., with his first dunk, had the catch off the backboard through the legs slam against Aaron Gordon. And at this point, this was at the point where I started to see these guys are pretty much just, these guys are pretty much doing the same thing. Like, Derrick Jones just kept doing everything through the legs at that point. I mean, he had the... Um, Catch off the backboard, through the legs over a person. Then he had the through the legs over two people slam. <laughs> and he just just really got to the point. He had the reverse. He had the reverse 360 through the legs from the side. Like, he just threw the legs was his thing. Aaron Gordon jumping over people was his thing. And Aaron Gordon, personally to me, I think still had one of the best dunk contest dunks ever when he sat down in the – he sat down in the air and didn't win. <laughs> like, like, I'm with Aaron Gordon. He, he told me all right. He told me directly he he felt like he should have had two trophies. I agree with that. He should have won 2016. I don't agree here. I thought I didn't even think this should have gone to a dunk off. But the rest of the dunk off, again, Aaron Gordon threw the legs over Chance the Rapper again, doing a dunk that we had already seen Derrick Jones Jr. do over two people. And now, now Aaron Gordon does it. And then the second dunk for Derrick Jones Jr. in the finals got a 48. The Jordan, now he attempted to do the free throw line dunk. But he clearly took off well inside the free throw line. And you could even see Derrick Jones Jr., at least in the arena, we could see him on the board upset with himself, realizing that he took off a little bit too late. He did get a 48. And that set up for the final dunk of the night, the controversial dunk, with uh, Aaron Gordon getting a 47 after jumping over 7'5 taco fall. And I got to be honest. I've seen a lot of people say they thought Aaron Gordon got robbed. I totally disagree. I don't think he got robbed for a number of reasons. Because like I like I've been saying, I don't even think he should have been I don't think he should have gotten to the finals because I thought Pat Connaughton had a, a better uh, in terms of he had a he had a better dunk in terms of difficulty in that first round. And then in that second round he sort of did the same dunk. <laughs> he sort of did one of the same dunks that he had already done, which was jumping over uh, Chance the Rapper, which he had already done in the first round, except he added a reverse to it. And once again, it was the presentation of the TikTok, the TikTok being made that sort of added to that, which really, personally, in terms of dunking, didn't really add any difficulty. It was just more of more of a show. But here's what happened. Uh, Aaron Gordon, uh, he, he really wanted to, he even said in the post-game press conference, he wanted to jump over Shaq. Uh, Shaq said no, he nominated Dwight. And then Dwight nominated Taco Fall. And Taco Fall, had, I mean, he's been getting some ovations, even on, uh, I want to say it was Friday, 
at the Rising Stars Challenge, they showed they they announced, "Hey, Boston's in the house." It was Kimber Walker and Taco Fall. I, I would argue Taco had a better ovation than Kimber Walker did. So Taco Fall being a, and I mean, he was here recently with the main Red Claws, and it was fans going crazy trying to get pictures with him. I even got a picture with him that I'm going to keep. Not going, probably not going to put that up until after the season. But even I got a picture with Taco Fall at that game against the main Red Claws recently for the Windy City Bulls, and. Uh, it, Here's what happened. I mean, just the fact that that guy's seven five. I mean, it, it draws a lot of attention, and, and it, it draws a lot of people to him because he's so huge. And he's also also working on his game, really trying to be an effective part to that uh, main Red Claws team. I know he really affected Windy City when they played uh, the Windy City Bulls recently. How he, he forced the Bulls pretty much to have to shoot from the outside, and Maine ended up blowing Windy City out in that game. But we'll talk more about Windy City on Wednesday when I do the full episode, episode twenty of the podcast. But Aaron Gordon, he tried to jump over Taco Fall. Uh, he he did dunk. He did jump over him and dunk it. But here's the thing. He clearly didn't clear Taco Fall. And the in-arena host said, Gordon was a fully clear, fully clear Taco Fall. I'm like, no, he did not fully clear Taco Fall. We could all see that is the back of his leg. His leg clipped Taco in the back of the head. Now, that is still impressive that he was able to get over Taco Fall because even with him clipping Taco Fall in the back of the head, you're still jumping about a good seven seven one, <laughs> about a good seven feet seven foot one to get that high. You know, you're still getting pretty high to jump over that guy. So that's that is some in- impressive leaping ability out of Aaron Gordon. But if you grade the dunk based off of what it was, if you grade the dunk based off what it was. I gotta say that I didn't think that that was worthy of a fifty. I didn't think that I didn't think Aaron Gordon got robbed. I didn't think it was worthy of a fifty. I thought Derrick Jones Jr. should have won. Now, of course, the controversy is that the judges said that they felt like it should have been a tie. Of course, all roads have everybody's been pointing at Dwayne Wade because because Derrick Jones plays for the Miami Heat and all of that. So, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sure it more is gonna come out about that. But I thought personally, Derrick Jones was the rightful winner. I thought he I didn't think that there should have been a dunk off in the first place. And I thought Derrick Jones Jr. was the rightful winner of the dunk contest. So Derrick Jones Jr. on his 23rd birthday defeats Aaron Gordon in the dunk off 98-97 to win the 2020 AT&T Slam dunk contest. A very good dunk contest, but unfortunately overshadowed by the judges considering that everyone thought it should have been a tie or they thought Aaron Gordon should have won. And then, but but once again, personally, I, I didn't think it should have even gone to the dunk off. And the clip that's been all over the web the past few days has been what I asked Aaron Gordon in the postgame press conference. I asked him, would he would he even be in the dunk contest anymore after, like, would he even be in it anymore? Like, I was asking him, is it, is it his goal, considering he's come close twice and he's gotten the shorter end of the stick, was he trying to get one, at least going to come back one more time to try to get the dunk contest championship before he was done? And here he is what Aaron Gordon had to say. Left side? Uh, Aaron. Aaron, over here. Back here. Back here. Uh, Chris Rouse, Windy City Hoops podcast. Uh, is, it a goal, is it a goal of yours to win a dunk contest before you retire from a dunk contest? No, nah, it's a wrap, bro. It's a wrap. Um, I feel like I, I should have two trophies. You know what I mean? So it's, it's over for that. Uh, my next goal is going to be trying to win the three-point contest. And unfortunately, that's a shame. I, I think that's a shame that he feels that way. Um, I do I do agree with him. I think he should at least have one. 
I thought he I thought he did win Zach Levine because much the same with what happened with him versus Derrick Jones on Saturday. I thought Zach Levine had done the same dunk. Back in 2016, I thought Zach Levine did like some variation of the same dunk, which is the taking off from the free throw line back in 2016 to beat Aaron Gordon. And I thought Aaron Gordon had the dunk of the night with the sitting down in the air, arguably one of the best dunk kind. Probably, actually, I'm, it might be my favorite dunk contest dunk all time. Might be the best one. Uh, I'm not. I'm gonna say might for now until I can get a chance to really think about that. Sit down and think about that, because I mean Vince Carter putting his arm in the rim is up there, and then Michael Jordan taking off from the free throw line. Even though I still think Dominique won that contest as well. The uh, alley oop reverse slam Jason Richardson did from behind the rim in like '03, I think. I thought that was pretty good too. So I mean, but he has he has one of the most memorable dunks of all time. I do think he should have won the 2016 dunk contest, but. I still think Derrick Jones was the rightful winner of the 2020 AT&T Slam Dunk Contest. Uh, it's unfortunate, though, that we, uh, based off Aaron Gordon's own words to me directly, that he won't be in the dunk contest anymore. Uh, because, I, I mean, I, I actually want to see him get one. I really would like to see him get one. He says he's going to try to win the three-point contest. We'll see if he's in it next year when they go to Indianapolis. But a very good dunk contest, very, very fun Saturday night of events, unfortunately, overshadowed by what happened with the judging in the final in the dunk off but once again a very fun weekend as Derrick Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat took home the hardware he and Bam Adebayo so Miami took two of the three all-star Saturday events they didn't get the sweep but in the post game the post event interview DJ even said he was he was he was sad that they uh couldn't get the sweep but hey two out of three ain't bad and he also said that he had many more dunks to go. I mean, he, he was like, he had, dunk, he had dunks for days. He said, he said, hey, I just turned 23. As Saturday was his birthday. He said, hey, I, I turned 23 today, and I, I had dunks for days, so I was ready. So if we had to keep going, I was ready to go. And he also said that he's ready for all comers for his, uh, for his, uh, his uh, slam dunk trophy. He said he's not ready. He, he, he said he's not worried about anyone. He's ready for all comers. So sounds like we could expect to see Derrick Jones Jr. back in the dunk contest for 2021 in Indianapolis. And it's been an hour. It's already been an hour here on this All-Star Weekend report, but I'm going to try to wrap it up here. Got to talk about the All-Star game itself, and then I'll wrap up with my thoughts on All-Star Weekend here in Chicago. The All-Star game itself, the 69th edition, the 2020 NBA All-Star game, began with a very touching tribute to Kobe, Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, and the and all of the member and all of the all the people that were involved in the uh, helicopter crash that claimed the lives of Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, the uh, Alta Bellies, uh, Peyton and Sarah Chester, uh, Mauser and uh, Ara Zabayan. So a tribute to all all nine people that were involved in that crash that claimed their lives back back a few weeks ago. Was that January? Feels like feels like it was man. I'm, I'm losing track of time, but yeah, they claimed their lives a few weeks ago in Calabasas. So t very touching tribute. But uh, after that, after that tribute, we had the uh, Chicago intro, and honestly, this might have been my favorite part of the whole All Star Weekend. Like this, this may have been my favorite part of the All Star Weekend, except for the fact we couldn't see it in the arena. They didn't have the video board on on our side of the arena so i really couldn't see the video at first but luckily 
considering we were in the 300 level, we were back far enough where we could see TVs overhead. So I was able to see the video that was being played on the TVs hanging overhead. So once again, it was just a bit of an issue with the uh, <laughs> with with some of the setup for it. wasn't really thought all the way through. Like, hey, maybe we should turn the video board on on all sides of the arena. So that didn't happen. So we didn't. So so if you were a little lower and you were going to try to record it, record the video, you couldn't see it. But luckily, I was sitting back far enough where I could see it on the uh, TVs playing in the United Center. And aside aside from like all the I guess press that I'm getting based off of asking Aaron Gordon. That question that went viral and pretty much, you know, talking about getting him to say, hey, I'm not going to compete in the contest anymore. This was my favorite part. I really loved this Chicago intro. It really brought a G tier to my eye. Like, and if you don't know what a G tier is, that's when you just got, you just standing there with your eyes watering. And you got that little, that one tear sort of just streaming down your face. I, it had it on both sides of my eyes. I was, I really loved that intro. It was so Chicago. Being from Chicago, I loved every bit of it. And it really, it really was probably my favorite thing out of the whole All Star Weekend that I saw that that I saw at the United Center. Actually, out of everything that I that I went through this past weekend, I thought that was my favorite thing. Maybe, maybe behind like all the press I'm getting from from the Aaron Gordon thing, but it's neck and neck. I actually, I actually might say the Chicago intro was better because I mean, the press from the Aaron Gordon thing. I mean, that's that's always gonna be there. That was a still a once in a lifetime thing that I I was in the building to see that video. That was an amazing video. That they had made, that they made for All Star Weekend here in Chicago, and uh, so that really that really set the tone for the All Star Game, which ended with Team LeBron defeating Team Giannis once one fifty seven to one fifty five. One fifty seven was the final target score in the fourth quarter. We had the Elam ending, which, to be honest with you guys, up until about late yesterday, I didn't even know it was called Elam ending. I just target score. That's you know, like where I'm from, you just hey, all right, play the 32 or play the 20, play the 21, play the 32, play the 11, whatever. I never knew it was called Elam ending. I never knew there was a proper name for it. So at least say, hey, you learn something new every day. The Elam ending, All Star game, 157 was the target score because at the end of the at the end of the first, Team LeBron led 53 to 41. They won 100 thousand dollars for Chicago Scholars. Uh, Team Giannis won the second quarter. And had a lead, a 92-83 lead. They won $100,000 for After School Matters, which was their charity. And they had they had both both charities in the building. So they had Chicago Scholars were wearing the blue for Team LeBron, and After School Matters were wearing the red for Team Giannis. And that was it was great that they had them in the building. Those those two groups were loud the entire game. They had the dueling chants, "Let's go Giannis, let's go LeBron, let's let's go LeBron, let's go Giannis," like dueling chants throughout the game. It was it was fun. They really added to the atmosphere. I could hear them all the way up in 300 levels. It was really a fun a fun atmosphere in the building. Um, the third quarter ended in a tie, which meant it ended in a 41-41 tie, with Team Giannis winning 133-124 or leading 133-124 going into the fourth quarter. So the the charity money for that was carried over to the fourth and final quarter. So at the end, it was 300 and yeah, it was three hundred thousand on the line, if I'm not mistaken, going into the uh, yeah, going into that uh, final quarter, and then it was in the with that three hundred thousand on the line, Team LeBron got the win, a one fifty seven one fifty five victory, a come from behind victory, as they trailed by nine going into that fourth quarter. Kawhi Leonard, who I even tweeted out, was my halftime MVP, thirty point seven rebounds and uh, four assists. 
He is the first ever Kobe Bryant All-Star Game MVP award winner. So that was huge for him. But really, just really an entertaining game. It really brought the passion back. I loved, I loved the passion that both teams played with. I loved how competitive the ball game was. Um, the only thing, of course, that everyone's been talking about, it ended with a free throw. And I don't like that. I don't like that it ended with a free throw, but the thing is, how do you figure that out? Because it gets to a point where if you if you make it where the game can't end at a free throw, then it becomes well, then the other team can just foul. <laughs> they can just foul you and put you at the line until you get tired of shooting free throws. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, what do you do? What do you do? And and that's where I think that's where I think the NBA falls into the trap of you might have to go back to the time system. <laughs> you might have to go back into the you might have to go back to the time system. As fun as it was to see it that that one little flaw that the game can end on a free throw and then if you make it where it can't end then the other team can just foul so they don't lose. It gets to that point where you gotta be like, you know what? You might have to just go to the time system. Uh if they do decide to keep the Elam ending, I I I won't I wouldn't be against it. I, I thought it was fun. Like I said, I thought it was I thought it was an incredible game. I thought it was very entertaining. Um, if they keep if they keep it though, like I said, they got to find a way to make it where it can't end on a free throw. And also, I would prefer that the game not have the quarter split up. I, I would prefer the winner take all like money because I didn't like how that third quarter we started seeing fouls like it was the end of the game. <laughs> like I'm like, all right, man, it's the third quarter. Like, come on, we got a whole nother quarter to play. Like you got people taking fouls, <laughs> like like it's the end of the game. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you where all all four quarters or all three quarters end up being like what people have to say is a problem with the college game where you just start seeing teams foul just so they can have a chance to win that uh, charity money. So I, I would so for moving forward, I would like to see the accum the um the breaking the game up into different games. I would like to see that taken out, just making it one long game and then you can use the four you can still use the fourth quarter Elam ending, but then you but the question is from there, do you keep the twenty four? Do you like, do you just keep it at 24 or do you go higher? I mean, I don't know if they want to keep it at 24, but if they say they didn't want to keep it at 24, my my suggestion would be to put it, make the uh, Elam ending for the All-Star game if they keep it. Make it the uh, make it plus however many wins the best team in the league has. So say so say Team Giannis had 133, or Team Giannis was up 133-124 in last night's game. So that and Milwaukee has the most wins in the league right now. So that would so, – so what I'm saying, if it was 133-124, Milwaukee has the best record in the league at 46-8. and eight. Make the target score whatever they had plus 46. That would be one suggestion I would have moving to, moving forward with the Elam ending. That's if, they, that's if they choose not to, you know, keep the Kobe tradition because I'd be cool with that as well. I mean, I'm just making suggestions here, just just giving out thoughts, just just giving out thoughts, you know. <laughs> not not saying I didn't like it, just giving out just, – just putting my thoughts down on it. That's all I'm saying because I really liked it. I really – Really liked the Elam ending. Just didn't like how it ended on a free throw, and but uh, but I am curious to see if the NBA decides to stick with that, considering the uh, considering the uh, comments being made about the game ending with an All Star game, and then of course how the third quarter was a little bit too long with the fouls at the end, and and then yeah, but it, it was still a fun experience. Here's some notes that I had from the All Star game. I'm really just gonna drop real quick. Uh, I thought Jimmy Butler got a Jimmy Butler got a huge ovation, being that he's a former Bull. So consider we were in Chicago. It's in Chicago, you know. And he used to play here, so the fans 
really got loud for Jimmy when he was announced. I thought LeBron, Giannis, and Luka had the three best ovations of anybody in the in the building. If I had to choose one, I would argue that, and I didn't think I would ever say this, that LeBron got the loudest ovation in Chicago considering all the years he eliminated the Bulls from the playoffs with Miami and with Cleveland. So, but LeBron got the uh, loudest ovation. But I mean, we. But I mean, LeBron has been always debated as being one of the greatest players of all time. Anytime you got a player like that, he's gonna be. He's gonna have fans everywhere in the world. But it's still, it's just still kind of weird to see like fans like cheering so loud for LeBron inside the United Center. Um, Chris Paul. Chris Paul had a very good performance. I really. Chris Paul was a guy who I said I, I didn't think he should have been there. I thought Devin Booker should have been there. But Chris Paul had a very good showing. Even had the alley oop dunk. That he caught from uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, Rudy Gobert had a huge all-star game as well. He was actually fun. He was one of the more entertaining players to see in the game. And I remember immediate day, Donovan Mitchell was saying, like, you know, people think Rudy probably shouldn't be here, but but Rudy can send everybody back. Donovan even said he was hoping that somebody would try to dunk on Rudy Gobert so he could show him and send him back. And that did happen in the second quarter. He sent one back. And then, of course, Trey Young had the – Half-court shot before halftime to give. And Team Giannis had that huge 51-30 second-quarter win to go into the lead to the break with a 92-83 lead. Kawhi Leonard, 25 points, four rebounds, and two assists at halftime. That's why I said That's why I said uh, I thought he was the uh, halftime MVP. And going back to what I was talking about earlier, during speaking of halftime, going back to what I was talking about earlier, when I was talking about the staging being in the way, there was a point where Chance the Rapper and DJ Khaled and uh, Quavo had went to half court. I couldn't even see it. Like, it was blocked by, like, the little staging part. So, another performance that I really couldn't quite see. It, it was on on the video board, but it still was still was just weird. Just weird placement of, like, some of the some of the staging parts that were going on at uh, at the United Center. Uh, I, I remember there was one play earlier in the game... I know Kimba Walker put uh, DeMontis Sabonis on skates in the second quarter. He had a nice crossover, went to the basket and got a lay-in. I know LeBron had the behind-the-back, through-the-legs dribble where he ended up with a dunk. Rudy Gobert had an alley-oop slam from Trey Young that I really enjoyed. In the third quarter, that's when Chicago Scholars and after-school matters were really going crazy because it was a close third quarter. Remember, the first two quarters had pretty much been blowouts with uh, Team LeBron winning 53-41. And then Team Giannis went at 51-30 in that second quarter. But the crowd, the, the fans were really going crazy. And then in the fourth quarter, I mean, Russell Westbrook had a breakaway dunk that I really liked. Chris Paul Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook really were working together for a lot of the game. I remember Chris Paul had the uh, alley-oop dunk from Russell Westbrook. But they were really f- sort of feeding each other throughout the game. That was kind of interesting considering, like, they basically, <laughs> like, they pretty much, sw- like, because of the uh, the spot swap between those two guys with Chris Paul being in um, Oklahoma City, and with Russell Westbrook being in, being now a Houston Rocket. So those, so it was really, it was just really, really interesting to me. I mean, not I'm not trying to indicate that there's bad blood between the two guys, but I'm just saying it was just interesting to me, like the two guys that were pretty much, you know, the two guys that 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 swapped spots right there out there working together, and uh, yeah, the, the two guys that were. Two guys traded for each other out there working together, and I thought that, I thought that was pretty fun to uh, see that in the All Star game. And how about Kyle Lowry just just being Kyle Lowry? I mean, just out there taking charges, out there flopping. <laughs> he had the one play, tried to flop on James Harden, 
Harden couldn't make him pay, though. But Kyle Lowry out there taking charges in the All-Star game. And uh, it was it was just an entertaining just an entertaining All-Star game, which ended with Team LeBron winning 157-155. Kawhi Leonard, again, the All-Star MVP, 30.7 rebounds, 4 assists. And he won the Kobe, the first, he's the first recipient of the newly named Kobe Bryant All-Star Game MVP award. And in the post-game press conference, Kawhi said it meant a lot to him considering his relationship with Kobe Bryant and how he left him, how, how he, he left him with so many things about the game, how they had such a close relationship, how he taught him so many things. He was a friend, a mentor. It was going to mean a lot to him to see, to have that award and see Kobe's name on the trophy. So Kawhi Leonard. Won the won the All Star Game MVP becomes only the second player in NBA history to win All Star Game MVP Finals MVP and Defensive Player of the Year and and he picked the perfect time to do it because he did it the only other person that has done it it's his birthday today that's Michael Jordan so Kawhi Leonard and Michael Jordan the only two players to win All Star Game MVP Finals MVP and Defensive Player of the Year the question for me with Kawhi can he win an MVP I don't I don't think he's gonna do it this year I think that's Right now, I think that's Giannis's to lose with how Milwaukee's been playing. And then maybe Luka Doncic also has a shot. But can Kawhi Leonard win an MVP? He was asked that. He says he he says he thinks he can, but it still remains to be seen. So Kawhi Leonard, uh, very, very good weekend for Kawhi, man. I mean, he won the All-Star Game MVP with – uh, he won the All-Star Game MVP after his name, after his friend and mentor, the, the late, great Kobe Bryant. And then he – he tied. He, he he became the second player to do something with the uh, All Star Game MVP, Finals MVP, and Defensive Player of the Year. He joined Michael Jordan, and how fitting is that? The day before Michael Jordan's birthday, and in the building that they say the house that Jordan built, he ended up ended up sharing an honor, becoming only the second person to uh, share that honor with Michael Jordan. Uh, so yeah, that's so so a very fun. NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, like I said, moving forward, I, I like the Elam, the Elam ending. would like for them to find a way to to make it where the game can't end on free throws, but at the same time, might have to just go back to going to the timed All-Star game. I mean, I thought it, I thought it was a very fun game. Very, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the whole All-Star Weekend, man. It was honestly just a great experience, man. I, I told myself, man, I, I can't miss this weekend, dude. Like, the first All-Star Weekend in Chicago in my lifetime. And I really just hope it doesn't take another 32 years to come back. I thought Chicago did a great job of hosting All-Star Weekend. I thought Chicago was well represented in the presentation. Of course, not. it was unfortunate we didn't have any Bulls players in any of the actual – we didn't have a Bulls player in the game – in the All-Star game or in the Rising Stars game, I know Wendell Carter was hurt. We had Zach Levine in a three-point shootout. Personally, would have preferred to have seen him in the dunk contest so we could have gotten a Zach Levine, Derrick Jones Jr. or a Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon rematch. I would have loved either of those. Or a Zach Levine, Pat Connaughton matchup. I mean, Dwight, Dwight's cool, but I mean, I mean, Dwight, I think Dwight's passed his dunk contest years personally. I mean, he, he but I give him credit for going out there and trying, though. Got to admire Dwight Howard for going out there and still trying to be in the dunk contest and try to try to bring home a dunk championship. But just a beautiful experience. It was my first All-Star weekend, and I really appreciate all the support, all the love that I've gotten from everyone that's, that's been checking up on the content that I've had this, this past weekend. Uh, I really, I really want to say thank you to Aaron Gordon, honestly, man. I mean, 
I know <laughs> I know that might might seem like an odd time considering I said I didn't think he should have even gone to the finals or it shouldn't have been a dunk off. But I really got to say thank you to Aaron Gordon, man, because, um, yeah, that, that was a really good question. That was a really good answer he gave me, man, helping help me sort of – sort of. it really made me feel good, man, made me feel like I belonged. It was really a fun all-star weekend, man, like just a really, really eye-opening experience for me. I really felt like I belonged in there. It was like, man, I'm in here with some people that I look up to, people that I see on 2K, David Aldridge, people that I see on TV like J.A. Adonde, People that I've been following on Twitter for years, you know, just, you know, some some reporters in the Chicagoland area, you know, it was just, it was just really a great, really a great weekend, man. I really enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, it was fun, man. Really, just just a really great experience, man. And no, I'm not getting emotional as I, I look at my All Star wristband. You know, they had these these light up wristbands at the All Star game. And I thought that was dope. Where whichever team scored, the wristbands would light up red or blue. So if Team LeBron scored blue, Team Giannis scored red. But it also has some funny moments where like <laughs> you uh where like they would they would they would sort of jump the gun on it. Like there was one time I think Giannis missed a dunk <laughs> and it lit up red and it had to go off real quick because he missed the dunk. So I thought that was funny. But I got that. I've got I've got those these two wristbands that were on the seats at the United Center that you guys probably could see on TV if you watched the game. That would lighten up around the arena. I have my credential. Just a, a lot of memories from All-Star Weekend. My first All-Star Weekend 2020 here in my hometown of Chicago, Illinois. It was a great experience. And I just hope it doesn't take another 30 years to uh, come back to Chicago. But now the question for me is, will I be there in 2021 in Indianapolis? I mean, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I got a year to get things together. I would love to be there. But uh, we'll see how that works out come application date for the uh <laughs> for tw- for the All-Star 2021 when that rolls around probably at the end of 2020 because I know last, they had the All-Star applications out at the end of 2019 this year or early 2020 so we'll, so when they when those applications become available likely going to throw my name in the hat and try to go to uh, Indianapolis for 2021 so again the Windy City Hoops podcast is available on multiple multiple platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, among others. Uh, the official Facebook page of the Windy City Hoops Podcast, facebook.com forward slash at Windy City Hoops Podcast, or just at Windy City Hoops Podcast on Facebook. And then also, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at KingRouse21, K-I-N-G-R-O-U-S-E-21. Also catch me on Instagram at KingRouse21, K-I-N-G-R-O-U-S-E-21. Uh, Facebook.com, Chris Rouse. Also, coming up this this week, Wednesday, early Wednesday, I'll have episode 20 of the Windy City Hoops podcast where I'll talk about some, I, I sort of do some predictions for the second half of the season, what I think may happen. Uh, talk about some of the stories that have come out, like John Beeline possibly stepping down from, from the Cleveland Cavaliers. The rumor that the Bulls may be looking for a new general manager also came out right before I started recording. Chris Dunn may be done for the rest of the season. With that MCL sprain, so I'll talk about some of those things. I'll talk about Windy City still trying to get off the schneid, lost their last outing against the Erie Bayhawks, and they'll be playing the Erie Bayhawks on uh, Thursday morning, and I'll be prepping for that as well. Also, probably not. Pro- also, going to talk about the Toronto Raptors. Probably not going to talk about any more winning streaks because last time, every time I talk about a winning streak, they ended. Just ask the Toronto Raptors because I talked about their 
15 game win streak last last week, and they ended up losing to Brooklyn the day after I did it. So, so I'm, I'm going to talk about that, how that streak came to an end as a result of Brooklyn, and then of course, like I said, I'm going to take for the first time. I'm going to take some some listener questions. I got two lined up. Probably going to do about three three to five, depending on how many I get. And you can find the uh, pinned post on Facebook. Take the you take that post. Find the link. Tap the link that's inside the post. And then leave your question there so I can use it on the podcast on Wednesday. So until Wednesday, which will be a busy day when I do episode 20, and then I also will do the DePaul-Villanova um, post-game review because I'm going to Wintrust Arena that day. No Bulls post-game reviews coming up this week because Thursday uh, I'm going to be doing Students of the Game, my radio show, which, which airs from 7 to 9 p.m. on the ChicagolandSportsRadio.com Facebook page. Also going to be Saturday won't be able to do the Bulls Suns post game review because we'll be we'll be at Windy City because the Windy City Bulls play the Northern Arizona Suns. So Chicago plays Phoenix, Windy City plays Northern Arizona. That works out. And then Sunday I know we got Windy City against the Lakeland. It is the Lakeland Magic, right? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, here's the Lakeland Magic on Sunday, man. And uh, yeah, it's just been it was a really fun experience, man. Like I said, if you're in this industry and you cover basketball. I encourage you to make sure you make sure you go to All Star Weekend. It's a very it's a very fun experience. It's great. You'll love it. You'll enjoy it. I really enjoyed it being in my hometown for the first time in my lifetime. And man, it, it really delivered. I thought All Star Weekend really delivered. And that'll do it for this week's this All Star Report 2020 All Star Weekend Report here on the Woody City Who's podcast. Until then, until Wednesday. I'm your host, Chris Rouse. Be on the lookout for episode 20 coming up on Wednesday. You guys, be cool out there. Have a good one.